This podcast is proudly brought to you by the National Youth Fellowship of Livingwood Gospel Mission. Son of God, 
in a very, not just unique way, in a completely different way. How that he began to, you know, give us this perspective to Jesus and who he is, and a, a divine dimension of his life and existence. And, and that uh, uh, perspective we get from John was not given by any one of his disciples or apostles, as you may call it was not given anywhere else. Even in the epistles of Paul, we don't find Paul going back, you know, beyond human existence to talk about the beginning. But John, the beloved, begins to express this eternal being and he decides to take a dimension that is higher above human knowledge, above the normal, the commonplace knowledge. And that drove us into the idea of deeper knowledge. How does a man gain deeper knowledge of God? Imagine the introduction. If we were to read that scripture, John chapter 1, um, from the, the Greek rendition, it will sound something like, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the, the word Logos itself um, is a depth of mystery. It's a depth of mystery. If we want to Dig, dig into that word, you discover that John was not describing the person who he knew as Jesus Christ, who was just walking upon the face of the earth. No, John was describing something completely different. Because Logos brings us to broad and, and, and items on the spectrum. Logos brings us into the idea of the, the utterance of God and the knowledge of God. That is to say that nothing can be said of God if it is not said by Jesus. In fact, we have no other articulate means of knowing or describing God if not through Jesus. And also it brings us into the idea of knowledge. So being the word of God, he is the encapsulation, you know, of epignosis, he is the encapsulation of the knowledge of God. So we begin to see that this is not a commonplace Christianity this is not just I, I, I go to church. This is not just I, I hear what the pastor preaches. This is a deeper knowledge of God. Today, I'd like you to turn with me to First John. Of course, you know that is also the epistle written by John the Beloved. Let us go to First John. And tonight, we want to consider the second part of spiritual migrations. And it is titled Experiential Fellowship. Uh, Depths of experience, in a nutshell. Depths of experience. This man, John, is full of mystery. He is full of mysteries. But the best is yet to come. Uh, God, will, God will help us. That a man will begin to discover that if he takes upon himself the path of spiritual progress, if he takes upon himself the path of spiritual development, it does not matter whether you are a pastor, it does not matter whether you are just a brother. It has nothing to do with the title you bear. I, I took time last week, if you do, if you are not able to, to, to listen to the first part of this teaching, please do so. Because I took time to e explain who the man John the Beloved was. He was, he was the least of the twelve. He was, he was the boy amongst them. He was not mentioned when it mattered. But indeed, this guy gives us depth of knowledge that nobody has had insight into. First John chapter 1 
he begins again today and says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, a life that was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to it, to you the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you, that our joy may be complete. Praise God. We, we are at an interesting place. Um, like I tried to explain last week, three persons gave us the idea of, no, three times rather, the idea of in the beginning was given to us in scriptures. And one of that was given to us by Moses in Genesis. Two of that was given to us by John, the beloved. And, and it baffles me that if you, are, if you are careful, you will see that the way this letter begins is very similar to the way the gospel according to St. John begins. He says today, that which was from the beginning, I, I, I begin to sense a dimension in the writings of this man that he cuts away the human aspect of the existence of Christ. And in fact, he cuts away the human aspect from his preaching. If you take some time to go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1, you see the introduction Matthew gives before he begins to write his book. If you go back to look at um, um, Mark chapter 1 verse 1. You see the introduction that Mark gives when he begins to write. If you go back to look at Luke chapter 1 verse 1. In fact, Luke takes almost four verses to introduce himself and introduce his mission and, and, and let, let the audience know that he has a legitimate right to talk about what he's about to talk about. But John the beloved delves into the matter straight head on. He doesn't even talk about, okay, I've come to write to you, to explain to you, to do this. No, 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 no. Somehow he expects that you should have gone through other books. You should have known the preambles. You should have known the introductions. You should have known the things that come before now. I want to talk about something explicit, something that has deep implications. I'm not here to tell stories. Let us just remove our mind from human classifications and and, and the storytelling. Let's go straight into the, the matter. That which was from the beginning. Oh, There's an impunity with which he writes that is to assume that the person who is reading should have had some prior knowledge or should have had some level of maturity. And this is what the Holy Spirit is calling us into right now. It's enough of this baby step-by-step walk where people are Many times I pity for our pastors because they have to do plenty of explanations and plenty of arguments and plenty of foundation names and plenty of... And we never have time to walk into deep things. We never have time to move on to deeper issues. Deeper issues. We do we use 25 minutes to introduce the concept because if you are going to talk about faith on a deeper level, people need to understand the faith. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But this man... He comes again with this same introduction that it was from the beginning. And this is an interesting juncture. 
that a man can sustain this mode, refusing to acknowledge the, the earthly side of things, refusing to acknowledge the earthly dimensions of things. He wants to speak the first time he talks about in the beginning. He comes again the second time to address, okay, by this time, John was much, much older. And if you read the book of this, this letter, you find him using um, terms like children, little children. I write to you children. I write to you little children. You know? And he uses that term over and over because he is not just an old man in the flesh now. He is also an old man in the things of God. He knew some things that he could declare with authority. Brethren, these are the days of migration. Migration into depths of not just knowledge but experiences. And I'm going to show you that in some minutes. If you will continue with me. John moves on to say that we have heard that which was from the beginning. We have seen with our eyes. That which we looked upon and we have touched with our hands. See, see. This man is progressing from a depth of knowledge into a depth of experience. This man is progressing from a depth of knowledge into a depth of experience. Now, um, um, he, he obviously demonstrated deep knowledge when he was speaking about the Son of God in the Gospel according to St. John. Here he is beginning to give us certain dimensions of eternal truth. Dimensions. And the moment we begin to talk about dimensions, length, length and breadth and depth and height, we're already talking about an experience. It, it was as if John the Beloved entered into something and he's trying to relate to us the dimensions of what he entered into. The explanations of what he entered into. John says that it's not just enough to know what we're talking about. It's not just enough to have a head knowledge and head explanation of what we're talking about. It's not just enough to be able to describe. Because what we do many times is to talk about. Talk about. Knowledge is always about. That's the first stage of knowledge. Ah... <laughs> uh, Remember that even if this man experienced a depth of knowledge, or expressed rather a depth of knowledge in the book of the Gospel according to St. John, you can talk about what you have never seen, my friends. You can talk about it with so much explanation, so much vocabulary, and people will think you've gone there. If I take my time to study about the Eiffel Tower of Paris, I can, I can come amongst my friends and begin to talk about it like I've been to France. I can begin to explain the height and the dimensions of that tower. And I can begin to talk about how that uh, the people built it. And how they know what it looks like and where it is positioned. And in fact, I can tell you the latitude and longitude, longitudinal position of the Eiffel Tower in Paris. But I have never stepped out of my house to visit France. That is the deception of knowledge. We cannot pitch our tent in knowledge, and that is the challenge that John the Lord poses to us. 
He says we proceeded. Look at verse 1. We proceeded to hearing him. That one which was from the beginning. Not only do we know him, but we heard him. And I come to tell you about something that I have heard. But no, hearing was not the ultimate. We saw him. He uses two sentences to declare how they saw. He said, which we have heard, verse 1, which we have seen with our eyes, and secondly, which we have looked upon. I mean, he went on from saying, we have seen it, to say, we looked upon it. So, it's not just seen from afar, there was a close range gazing upon this person we are talking about. That which was from the beginning. We gazed into him. We gazed into him. We looked upon him. We didn't just look at him. We didn't just see him from afar. We looked upon him. This man is trying to talk about an experience. A world of experience. May God bring us to the place where we can talk about God in dimensions. I mean, when I mean dimensions, not just realms now, but I mean in measurement, in an empirical form, in, in, in very, very articulate form. Because what we do most of the time is talk about God. We don't talk God. We talk about Jesus. We, we say what the Bible has said. Many a times we can't find people with experiences to say, oh, this is what happened to me. And he said like this. And I said like this. And, and I looked upon him. And then he proceeds to say, we have touched him with our hands. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. He said, we have touched him with our hands. We have touched him with our hands. So we heard him. We saw him with our eyes. We looked upon him. We touched him with our hands. And this person we are talking about is the word of life. It's not Jesus Christ who walked upon the earth. No, 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 no. He's describing the eternal logos. The logos eternal. The logos eternal. The word of life. The logos that bears Zoe. Because eternal life is Zoe. That's the life of God. I'm talking about we hearing and seeing and looking upon and touching the eternal life that brings Zoe. No, 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 no. This is not just about holding Jesus' hand and strolling up and down the streets of Jerusalem. John was describing an experience that changed his life forever. In fact, it's like he's a mood. He, he, he switched into that mode and remained there. And so he was talking authoritatively to say that which we have touched. That is a life that was made manifest. He now repeats it again that we have seen it and we testify to it. And I have come to proclaim him to you. To you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, no. A man doesn't talk like this after eating a bowl of pepper and drinking chilled water. No, 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 no. A man doesn't talk like this if all he has done is just reading books. You know, books of theology, books on explanations on the Bible, books on... Uh, no, 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 sir, no, sir. No, sir. Does it not baffle you that the, the Bible we are using commentaries and concordances to study today that the men who wrote them never went to school? Does it not baffle you that the Bible we are going to 
college to the school to read for four years and even get a master's in divinity and master's of Psalms and you know, does it not bother you that the men whose lives are written in the Bible, the men whose lives form the stories of the Bible, that these men never ever went to school? These men never ever went to school. These men never had anything to do with theology. In fact, they did not know that it can be encapsulated in a body of knowledge and thought as uh, a subject or a course. These men had literal experiences. These men had literal experiences. Look at the list of things. We have heard him. We have seen him. We looked upon him. We touched him with our hands. I'm talking of the word of life. The life of God. The life that was made manifest. We have seen it and we testify to it and we have come to proclaim to you. I bet you, you cannot deceive this kind of man. No, 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 no. You cannot deceive this kind of man. He has gone beyond the point of deception. Can we consider a little? And what was the reason? If you look at verse 3, he said that we we are having fellowship with the Father and with the Son, and I think that is the crux of the matter. Fellowship with the Father and with the Son. That is the entrance. And he says, I'm telling you all these things so that you can come and have fellowship with us. So that you can come and have fellowship with us. That you will join us in this fellowship with the Father and with the Son. So when I'm saying that this man had experiential fellowship, I need you to understand what we're talking about. He went into depths of experiences that were born out of fellowship, that were born on the wings of fellowship and intimacy with the Father. And this is what God is calling us to do. He says we help him. Let's just dig into those three, those three dimensions a little before we, 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 we call it up to him next time. He says we heard him. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that we know, that we can open the scripture and talk about him and argue. Oh, no, no, no. We heard him. Have you heard the voice of God? Have you heard the voice of Jesus speaking on various issues? Ah, That will be the end of confusion, my friend. I'm talking about spiritual migrations. Leave the place where you are scrambling for opinions, are scrambling for explanations, and always raising up your hand to ask questions. No, all those things are good. And by the way, I'm not condemning theology. No, 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 no. Very, very powerful and wonderful. But when will you start to hear him and begin to get acquainted to how he speaks and what his voice looks like? That you can be in a crowd, but when you hear him, you can literally turn to say no. I know the person who spoke just now. It's not the voice of the market woman. It's not the voice on the street. When are we going to hear him? Do you realize that when a man hears, oh, I remember Abraham. Abraham was a man who exemplified a walk of faith just by hearing God. Abraham, our father, went to lengths and dimensions in God just because he heard. Just because he heard. That man walked and walked and walked and he sustained the moon. In fact, God gave... Mm, oh, Jesus, have mercy. God introduced Abraham to Abimelech as, as a prophet. As a prophet. Abraham earned the name being a prophet not because he prophesied any day. But that was the man that God said, stand up and leave your family and go 
to a place that you do not know, but I will show you. So Abraham was walking by divine guidance. He will get to a place and God will say rest and he will rest. In the next day, God will say move, turn left and he will go left. When he gets to a place, God will say turn right and he will go right. And if he pitches his tent, he can stay for three months or one year and he will continue to maintain a status, a mode where his spirit is tuned to hearing God because any moment God says move and move to the left, he must be really ready and always always on point to hear that instruction and to move. And if he doesn't, it is not aligned to hear God, then he will miss the direction and he can end up in Moab when he was supposed to go to Canaan. This man sustained a constant mode. He sustained a constant mode where every night, I can imagine every night he goes to bed and he's expecting communications. Every day he wakes up and he's expecting communication. Day and night, Abraham was able to sustain that mode of being in the mood, in that constant mode of hearing God that God called him a prophet. He was not, his antennas were sharp. He could pick the voice of God and know where to lead his children. He wandered in the desert for 25 years. And God said, you don't have to build a house because you must live in tents because you will always move every now and then. Ladies and gentlemen, that man became an example of a man who walked with God because of the things he heard. Move! Stop! Turn left! Turn right! And he kept going. He sustained that mood. Every sleep was precious for him. Every day was, was another day of assignment. Everybody he sees, he sees reading the reader. Is this one a normal human being or this an angel? And that was, mm, may God help us in Jesus' name. That which we have heard. Have you heard anything? Have you migrated to the place where your sleep is an opportunity for revelations? Where you're, you're, you're waking up in the morning is an opportunity for your antenna to be sharp again. And then he proceeds to say, we saw him. What have you seen? What have you seen? Moses was a man who exemplified that for us. Mm. Moses also went after the order of Abraham, walking with God by what he was saying. But the day came, Moses said, show me your face. Show me your face. I hope you know. I hope you know that the face of God was not the first thing Moses was seeing. Moses had seen different dimensions of revelations before he came to the point of saying, show me your face. Moses was the one who captured the mind of God and was able to translate it into writings and produce the commandments. And if you listen to Jesus, he said that, that Moses was the one who gave you the commandments. <laughs> Praise God. Moses got to a place where he captured the mind of God well enough to be able to articulate it in writing. Apostle Paul came to that place too, where he saw some things in the realm of the spirit and he said, please pray for me so I can have all chance to translate the pictures into words. Moses saw the picture of the temple and he, he was able to describe it to the, to the two men. Oholiab and his brother, to say, this is how the dimensions are going to be. Construct this golden piece like this. Construct this silver piece like this. Construct this blue. He saw those dimensions. He saw the Holy of Holies. He saw the brazen altar. He saw those things in the realm of God. He saw those things and he came down to the earth. Don't you think that man will be able to pastor a people and lead them into dimensions because he has been there? What have you seen, my friend? 
What have you seen? What have you seen? Apostle Paul was another man who saw and saw and saw. And he came back to tell us that there is a realm you get to in God. You will not know whether to die or to live because you have the switch in your hand. Do you realize that when he put in Galatians 2.20, he was saying that I have the switch in my hand. I have the switch. I can turn off this life and move into the realms of God or I can decide to stay back. What did Apostle Paul see? And that's my question to you. What have you seen, my friend? What have you seen? And so Moses got to the point where he said, God, show me your face. I've seen all these things. All these things. Show me your face. And finally he says, that which we have touched. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some things you see and you touch. When faith is built, and oh, I wanted to talk about the substance of things. When substance is formed, when substance is formed, and you can lay hold on that confidence. He said faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So he looked as if hope is not strong enough, so we need to add another dimension to hope, so that hope becomes tangible now. It is something that is evidential, it is substantial, it has been substantiated by an experience in God. I can lay hold on it and say I have it, whether you are seeing it or not. I have it. It's like when you are praying, for instance, you are praying for your wedding ceremony. Oh God, let the wedding go well. And then God shows you the, the reception. He gives you a vision and shows you the reception service. And you know that there can't be reception if the wedding is not over. I, I, I tell you, that man cannot be deceived. That man cannot be deceived. Ah, Apostle John said, I touched him. We touched certain things in God. I see him like a man who leans hold upon his life and latches onto it until the experience is complete. I want to challenge us today. Our time is up. Can we migrate a bit? Can we add some deep prayers and call upon God? He said, lead us beyond this point. Lead us beyond this point. Let your will be done in heaven, on earth, the way it is in heaven. Let men enter into places that are monitored by the Spirit of God. Let us find our foot in places that only the descriptions of God will match what we have seen. He said, the thing I'm describing that we saw and we heard and looked upon and we touched is the life of God. The word of life. I challenge us today, we need to make a shift. I don't care how the previous generation has brought us to this point, ladies and gentlemen, we need to make a shift. A switch. A switch. We're going to lead ourselves to God in prayers. I beg you to take time, and not just today, to keep, keep, keep dragging God for more. There has to be more than this desperateness. Desperateness. We have to be desperate for something else. Let God raise us up from this quagmire where the voice of God is cast, where the images from the realm of the spirit is cast. How many times? Oh, no, no, no. We need to round up now. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. There is a burden for the moment and the church is deficient. Help us, O God. May your will be done amongst us. Raise us again to become people who are hungry, panting, testing for an experience. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for all who have joined us. Thank you for all who are going to hear this piece later on and watch later on. I ask that your spirit will take over. 
take charge of God. Bring us into this fellowship. That is the ultimate. The fellowship with the Father and with the Son. May these words not be in vain. Thank you, Father, because you are God. Be thou exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. I encourage you to please share this word and encourage people to join us. And please make sure you join us again next Sunday. God bless you. God bless you plenty. In Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the National Youth Fellowship of Living Gospel Mission.